0: It's Monday. It's the first day of winter. Um, it's yeah. It's Spencer Speaks Sports, uh, hosted by Spencer Swoboda. and I, uh, as much as it hurts, I have to uh, start with the uh, the Buffalo Bills winning the AFC East for the first time in 25 years. Uh, they beat the Broncos on Saturday afternoon there it was uh, a 48 to 19 game it was uh, just a complete domination by uh, both offense and defense um a little close there a half it was like 21 to 13 and then buffalo yeah just just ran away with it in the second half there the patriots though <laughs> they got um eliminated from the from playoff contention with a loss to the dolphins uh yesterday it was 22 to 12. Um, Nick Folk, their kicker, heck of a game, four field goals. Uh, good for him. Uh, Jake Bailey, their punter, was also good. Um, the signs I'm pointing to with this is that it's not a good sign when your special teams players are your MVPs pretty much uh JC Jackson their their cornerback there had another good game uh, another interception to add I think he's up to 8 now this season so definite pro bowl or maybe even all pro contention there um but yeah it just wasn't the the year for New England it's uh interesting covid year I mean they they had um they were without Patrick Chung one of their well, I mean, he's kind of like a hybrid. He's like a safety linebacker hybrid, very versatile on the field. Um, Dante Hightower, they're basically their core. Um, on uh, defense there at linebacker. Uh, Brendan Bolden, another good contributor on special teams, and he's also a running back. Marcus Cannon, their uh, offensive tackle, a very good player there. He opted out. Obviously, you lose Tom Brady, that's not necessarily great. Cam Newton wasn't (laughs) the best replacement for that. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's just the offense just – didn't have enough, didn't help either that Julian Edelman, uh, was out for most of this season with, uh, probably, I don't know I don't know what he had. I think he had a knee procedure or something like that. Uh, that was the main injury, but he's, he was just, uh, beat up. Um, he had surgeries in the in last off season too. Um, but yeah, I, maybe, maybe you go to Stidham, Jared Stidham, their backup quarterback next week. Um, obviously I mean, you're out of the playoffs now, so I, it could be a good time to maybe see what um Stenham has in a full game sample, but uh obviously newton uh they're playing the, they're playing the bills uh, which is kind of funny this this upcoming week um newton they play well they had a shot to to win that game in in orchard park there earlier in the season uh but uh newton uh fumbled the football there and uh and game game was over after that but um but yeah so it should be i i think Newton sh- will be the starter um i don't think Bill Belichick's going to change that but i guess we'll find out uh so yeah that that'll be a <laughs> that'll be a very interesting week 16 matchup there um let me dive into the rest of the NFL um Sunday games and and the other Saturday game there um, and then I'll get into some other, uh, stuff that happened. A lot of stuff happened this weekend. Um, so yeah, the Falcons, uh, they were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Falcons blew another lead. Um, uh, I think this was their fourth game this season to where they had a 95% chance to win, according to ESPN's metrics uh, that go on throughout the games. And, uh, yeah, the Falcons were up twenty-four to seven, I think, at some point in the third quarter there of that game, and Tampa Bay came back and won thirty-one to twenty-seven. Tom Brady, uh, key play in that game was that Tom Brady connected to Antonio Brown with, jeez, uh, I think seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter to to put them ahead. Um, pretty sure, certain that that's what it was, and uh, yeah, this the it's. I don't know. It's like it's a it's a bad bug that the uh, Falcons have to where they just blow these leads. Obviously, the big one that they're known for is from the Super Bowl when the Patriots beat them after being down 28 to three in the third quarter. So Tom Brady is back again, um, breaking Falcons fans hearts. Uh, And then we got the Titans. Um, They played the who did they play? They played the um, Lions. There we go. the The Detroit Lions um, d- dominated that game. It was forty six to twenty five. Ryan Tannehill, their quarterback, played a really good game. had five total touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. Uh, it helps when you have the best running back in the league in Derrick Henry. He had one hundred forty seven rushing yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, the Lions' defense isn't great, and that is that. Yeah tells you that all you need to know in the score there. Um, A game that I had no idea what the difference maker was going to be. They kind of proved my point with the Bears and Vikings this weekend. Um, The last time they played, there was really no way to separate them. And it was the same thing here. Um, The Bears just took uh, more advantage of their drives that they had. And uh, I think yeah, just Minnesota when they got the ball back, Chicago was up. They ended up winning thirty-three to twenty-seven, but Minnesota just didn't have enough time. Um, they had a shot with a hail mary down, um, yeah, uh, with like no time on the clock, and I, I believe it was intercepted, and it, and they failed on that attempt. Uh, so yeah, I mean Chicago is in the hunt still for the um, for the playoff uh, spot. Minnesota is, uh, they're barely alive in the playoff uh, race that was a very key game there and um we'll see i mean uh nick Foles, the bears quarterback got injured and then mitchell trubisky came back in he started like the first three games of the season for chicago um and he's still the starter even though nick Foles is healthy now and he's winning chicago games he he won chicago games um Earlier in the year, I think there was 3 and 0 actually before Trubisky got replaced because his stat line wasn't necessarily pretty. His game performance wasn't pretty, but they still won those games. And, um, yeah, so I think that's the big difference as to why you're seeing, uh, Trubisky still in there instead of Foles is that Trubisky wins games. Um, that's as uh, simple as I can put it there. And, um, the next game here, Seattle and uh, Washington. This was kind of ugly. Um, <laughs> Seattle had um, gained a um, twenty to three lead in uh, early in the uh, third quarter there, so they were up, yeah, thirteen to three at half, and then they had a rushing touchdown from Carlos Hyde, fifty yards. Um, yeah, they put to put Seattle up um, by seventeen, and uh, Washington started to come back. Uh, They had a shot to potentially go ahead on one of their last drives there, but uh, they didn't. And then Seattle just ran the time off the clock there with a couple victory kneels. But um, yeah, I think that's, I'll go back to that kind of the Carlos Hyde rushing touchdowns. The Seahawks had a better running game and uh, they just controlled the game a little bit better. I wasn't expecting much from Dwayne Haskins, the uh, Washington quarterback, uh, but he had a decent passing game almost almost had 300 yards. So it but it just uh it just wasn't enough and um yeah, the Seahawks uh defense played good when they had to and they won the game there. Um what's the next game? Oh yeah, this was uh <laughs> this was kind of interesting because 2 weeks ago the Texans and the Colts played each other. And Deshaun Watson, they had the ball in the red zone. He had a chance to win it for Houston there at quarterback and score however they were going to score. But it was kind of an errant snap and Watson fumbled it. So the Colts hung on and went there. Yeah, this was like a deja vu moment because um, the, the Texans are at, I mean, I'm pretty sure the fumble that occurred was at the two yard line (laughs) and it was a 27 to 20 game. That's what ended up being the final. The Colts won, but uh, Deshaun Watson passes it to wide receiver uh, Kiki Cutie and he fumbles the ball. (laughs) So another fumble when they're close to the end zone for the Houston Texans against the Colts and they lose the game. Um, Though Deshaun Watson had, a really good game, actually. Uh, he had almost 400 yards passing, but uh, Indianapolis was just too solid. And they got the win. They're entrenched into the uh, playoff mix. They, I don't think they're going to be out of the playoffs at this point. Um, so, yeah, so it was a good win for them. And uh, Sunday night football, uh, we you had the Browns playing the Giants this game actually got flexed into Sunday night in favor of um or over um the 49ers and Cowboys and it turned out that the 49ers Cowboys game that was moved to one o'clock was actually much more entertaining than the Sunday night game um the Browns beat the Giants 20 to 6 and the Cowboys beat the 49ers 41 to 34 so there was a ton more offense in that game um, that Dallas won there and uh, I think the national audience definitely missed out on a better game there. Um, NBC definitely is probably regretting um, or definitely regretting the, the um, idea of putting Cleveland and, and New York in that spot but uh, too late now um, hopefully they'll learn from their mistakes, uh, rolling back to Saturday night, the Packers played the Panthers kind of another ugly game, I guess, or it's just, uh, I don't know, nothing, nothing too exciting about it. The The Packers did what they had to do. They got up, uh, early, earlier in the game. It was uh 21 to three, uh, Aaron Jones, the Packers running back had, um, a very good game rushing he had like 145 rushing yards and a touchdown he actually had more rushing yards than Aaron Rodgers did passing yards for Green Bay um so that's pretty impressive and yeah the carolina had a slim opportunity to try to come back and um tie this football game but there was just uh, no way i think uh, their quarterback Teddy Bridgewater ended up getting sacked like and they were way back um they were in their like own ten yard line or something like that. So so yeah, the Packers uh did a good job. Um, did what they had to do to get a win. And uh yeah, so there are they have a good shot to get that one seed in the NFC um, with two weeks left here. Uh an offensive powerhouse of a game that was on Sunday afternoon. Uh Eagles and Cardinals. This was Jalen Hurts versus Kyler Murray, two former Oklahoma two recent um, former Oklahoma quarterbacks, and, th- yeah, they just balled out 100%. Um, Jalen Hurts had 401 total yards. He had 338 passing, and uh, let's do the math here. Let's do the math right here. 63 uh, 63- yeah. And I'm, and I'm making fun of the bills math. My goodness. Yes. <laughs> 63 yards rushing. Um, Kyle, Kyler Murray, uh, 400 passing yards and he had four total touchdowns. Hurts also had four total touchdowns. So yeah, just a ton of offense. Um, the big, uh, I guess issue here, uh, for the Eagles was that they got down early 16 to nothing. The game, the, um, Play that changed momentum that kept uh, Philadelphia in this game against Arizona was that uh, Jalen Hurts threw a TD pass. They were down 16-0. It was a third and 20. Um, So yeah, so that definitely kickstarted the momentum. But uh, Kyler Murray and uh, Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins he had 169 uh receiving yards and they were just too much for the Eagles there. They end up winning 33 to 26. Um so yeah, that so that was that was a good game to kind of follow there. Um the game that I saw a lot of the Chiefs and Saints uh yeah, very good game there. It was the uh, Chiefs ended up winning 32 to 29, but uh it's like it's a problem for me because I could not figure out really how the Saints were in this game like um maybe because I'm focusing so much on the offense with the fact that drew Brees just came back from um I don't know half of his ribs were, were fractured and they didn't have star wide receiver michael Thomas in the lineup he's out until at least the postseason with an ankle injury um I it's yeah and I'm ignoring how good the Saints defense is they're one of the best defenses in the uh, in the league. And um, they got to Mahomes. They forced a fumble out of him. They sacked him, I think, four times um, at least there. Uh, but Mahomes is just so good. Um, he's able to create time in the pocket or whether he has to roll out of the pocket to create time. Um, the running game was there for KC on Sunday as well. Uh they had a yeah, I think it was a hundred more yards than the Saints uh when it came to rushing. And um a big game-changer, actually, was at the end of the first half, uh, New Orleans has to punt back to Kansas City. Um, Kansas City may have a slim opportunity of driving down to at least get a field goal to increase their lead before half. But uh, So they punted to return man uh, McCall Hardman. He tries to make a move, but uh, he ends up kind of going backwards, and the Saints punch the ball out. And it is like a free ball right in the end zone. Land on it. You got a touchdown. You tie the game before you go into halftime. And the Saints are receiving the second half kickoff. Um, And I believe it might have been their long snapper or one of the guys in the Saints special teams. He comes running to, (laughs) to the ball and he goes to land on it and it plops out and it goes into the back of the end zone. So it's not terrible but it isn't great they still get a safety and they still get the ball back um but there was like no time left uh f- for uh for the saints to do anything once they once they um got the uh kick back from kansas city there but uh yeah that was watching that that was basically like looking at a rainbow and then it just catches on fire like uh just uh anything beautiful it, it just yeah got absolutely torched especially if you're a Saints fan that that couldn't have felt good especially with the um with what the score the final score ended up being only a three-point game uh yeah it it would have changed things because you're up 14 yeah it's four well it's tied 14-14 um and then the saints actually came out at half and uh, scored a touchdown on their first drive and they made it 15 to 14 at that point um, so yeah, it was, it completely changed the game there. If it's if their one special team or just landed on the ball properly and it didn't fly out of the end zone, but, um, yeah, stuff, stuff like that happens. Um, this I think is the biggest thing from this weekend and it, it involves teams with very bad records. Um, this was an Unbelievably surprising result um, considering what the Rams did last week to the Patriots. They won 24 to three. I did not expect the New York Jets to go into LA and beat the Rams 23 to 20. Just insane. Uh, the Jets had a heck of a first half. Uh, they had a block punt. They had an interception. Um, this To where they were up, it was... Thirteen to three at half, and then they scored a touchdown out of the half. Uh, the Jets did to make it twenty to, to uh, three, and they hung on <laughs> to to win twenty three to twenty. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, they got the Rams flat footed pretty much, um, and they took advantage somehow. Uh, Sam Darnold played well enough. They're the Uh, very much veteran running back in the league. Frank Gore did enough and uh, the Jets get a surprising win. Now here is the issue with the Jets. So the Jets were winless going into this game. They were 0-13. So they get the win. They go to 1-13. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they played the Baltimore Ravens today and they got crushed. (laughs) It was 40-14. So... The Jaguars going into that game are 1-12. and They are now 1-13. and So there's a tie, right, in record. 1-13 and between the Jets and the Jaguars. And these are the two worst teams in the league. And the two teams that are in contention for the number one uh, overall draft pick in next year's NFL draft. And the number one overall pick is going to be Clemson quarterback Trevor Wa- uh, Lawrence. And there is a drop-off between... Uh, Lawrence, and then the next best quarterback, Justin Fields, who didn't have the best game uh, this weekend in the Big Ten championship game that Ohio State was playing in. Lawrence had a much better game in the ACC championship game when they were playing Notre Dame. Anyway, the tiebreaker for right now, and it's a tiebreaker that um, puts the Jets in a bad spot, is strength of schedule. The Jets have a better strength of schedule, which makes them a better team, um, according to the draft order tiebreaker. So now, not only do the Jets win a game, which is it's great, right? Uh, yeah, no problem. The Jets have won. You know, it's, We're not going to go winless, right? Um, they now lose that number one overall pick for the time being to Jacksonville. And Jacksonville now has a 70% chance of getting that number one overall draft pick, which means they win the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes and the Jets lose and we'll have to draft Justin Fields who may not be as good of a quarterback as Trevor Lawrence will be at the next level. Um, So just seeing some reactions from Jets fans, it's kind of funny. They treated this win like a loss 100% because they know in the future, they see that franchise quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, his long, wavy hair um, in that um, aura, that just the bright light behind them, basically a Christ like figure. <laughs> and it's just gone right now. Um, so, yeah, so uh, the best shot the Jets have of getting that number one overall pick is if they keep losing these next two games and then the Jaguars somehow win a game I think the Jaguars play Cincinnati next week or on in week 17 so and the Bengals are the third uh worst team in the league so there may be a shot for the Jets to get back into that number one overall spot but uh we'll see it's going to be an uphill battle um so that was the highlight from the NFL week 15 um Another big thing that happened on Sunday was the reveal of the final college football playoff rankings, and uh, we saw who the top four teams are that are going to be competing for the national championship game, um, the national championship trophy, and it's, I mean, I'm not surprised, but I definitely... I definitely wanted a team to not be in there that was in there. So we got, here's the top four, number one, Alabama, number two, Clemson, number three, Ohio state and number four, Notre Dame. So Alabama and Notre Dame will play each other in the one semifinal, which is the Rose bowl. I'll get into that in a second because that's a little confusing now based on a change that, um, that the Rose bowl committee or whoever made. Um, and then you have Clemson versus Ohio state in the all state sugar bowl. Um, I wanted Texas A&M to be in instead of Notre Dame. Uh, A&M ended up being the five seed. Um, I had kind of made my case in a a blog post I wrote. um, A&M is going to end up playing North Carolina in the Orange Bowl. North Carolina was ranked, I believe, 13th in the final rankings. Um, Because uh, Texas A&M, they... We're not in the SEC championship game. They weren't in their conference championship game because Alabama was in that spot from the SEC West division. And so they played Tennessee, I think, and they won uh, 34 to 13. Um, so they did their part to have that one loss and just be on the outside, hoping um, for a big screw up there. Um but that wasn't the case even though Notre Dame lost to Clemson in the ACC Championship game uh what was it? it was 34 to 10 i think um yeah it just wasn't enough to kick Notre Dame out um Notre Dame their strength of schedule before they played Clemson was like 42nd and M's was uh 9th and then um it turns out A&M went down one spot to tenth, and then Notre Dame moved all the way up to thirteenth in in the strength of schedule um, department. There, so uh, yeah, that improved Notre Dame's resume, even though they lost to Clemson. That improved their resume a lot having that game, and um, yeah, there it just wasn't there wasn't a convincing argument enough to put A&M over Notre Dame. Kind of frustrating, but uh, I, I it makes sense. Um, I just I just know that Notre Dame, at least in the Brian Kelly era, um, that Notre Dame's current head coach, they just haven't played good in the big games. Um, I'm pretty sure in the four big games I'm thinking of. So there was like uh, the the 2013 national championship game against Alabama. There was a Fiesta Bowl. I think there was a the Cotton Bowl, which was the college football semifinal two years ago. And then this ACC championship game that they just played this year, they've only scored like 13 points, um, well, they averaged 13 points per game in those matchups, and they've given up like oh, like 37 or 38 points. So um, if the committee was looking for a good game, or at least uh, <laughs> a team that they know could put up some offense, um, i I felt like they could have gone with Texas A&M, but like I said, it just wasn't enough to put Notre Dame out um, with just the one loss to Clemson there who, yeah, like I said, ended up being the two seed. Um, Yeah, there just wasn't enough to change those spots, and um, so, yeah, so... The Rose Bowl is interesting because it's not being played in the Rose Bowl, um, the traditional stadium in Pasadena there, uh, just because the way California's um, ordinances are right now with uh, the COVID, uh, so they're moving it to AT&T Stadium. They could have played in the Rose Bowl, but there wasn't going to be any fans there, and Uh, The only reason why they're going to AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play a massive stadium um, is to have those fans watch a college football um, semifinal game. And um, so, yeah, I the the one thing I'm requesting (laughs) is that they don't call it the Rose Bowl anymore because it's not being played in the Rose Bowl. It's one of the I mean, I have to it's the, the bowl game with most the most tradition, I would say for sure. Um, so yeah, so if it's not in the Rose bowl in Pasadena, then, and it, now it's an AT&T state you, you gotta go, you gotta remove that name. Uh, I don't know what to call it at that point, but, uh, I don't know. I think there's people smart enough to figure that one out. Um, and then, yeah, the old state sugar bowl is in, uh, new Orleans there in the Mercedes Benz Superdome between Clemson and Ohio state. So yeah, so um, once, as we get a little bit closer to those games, I'll uh, preview those a little bit more in depth. Um, but moving away from uh, football now, there was um, a uh, more of a, yeah, an, an exhibition uh, golf tournament this weekend it is, um the PNC Championship. It's a two-day event where it's a uh, father-son teams uh, compete against each other, and these uh, teams that involve golfers that are former PGA tour, um, champions and, um, and, and, and golfers and Tiger Woods was a uh, part of it this year uh, with his son, Charlie, who's only 11 years old, but he golfs like he's wow, <laughs> I don't know, like in, in college pretty much. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, a, a I mean, the way his, his swing is, it, it mimics uh, what Tiger's uh, swing is. Um, I say there's a lot of hype because he's Tiger's kid. Uh, and I I mean, just based on what I saw, his trajectory, se- it seems pretty good. Um, or there's a pretty good chance that he could end up playing on the tour when he's older. And um, But yeah, I mean, that pairing, they're pretty good. They finished... The seventh i think out of the 20 pairings um you know, they were 20 under par the winning uh, team was justin thomas who's ranked third in the world and his dad uh they finished the event 25 under so um yeah the woods team uh competed pretty well against um a team like justin thomas and his dad and um who else was in there matt kuchar and his son who's um, a little bit older than, than Charlie Woods. Uh, they were in there as well um, competing. So yeah, it was, um, it was basically just for the prize money, nothing, nothing uh, too um, uh, crucial going on in that tournament. But, uh, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was good to see that we could have a future um, uh, Woods player in, on the PGA tour. Um, a, Weird slash funny thing that kind of happened. Um, this was from college basketball this weekend. It was between Western Kentucky and Alabama, and this was a big win for Western Kentucky because Western Kentucky's budget is uh, three point one million dollars, while Alabama's is fifteen point one. Or something 15.9 million dollars. So this was a huge win for Western Kentucky. They ended up, yeah, winning uh, 30, not not 30, 73. There we go to 71. And the big thing that came out of this game, from I would say the, the most of the public, was that the announcing got confusing um, towards the end of the game here. So it was 71 to 71. Western Kentucky has the ball, and uh, there's at this point there's less than I yeah 30 seconds left, and the, one of the Western Kentucky players drives to the hoop, he goes for a layup, and it hits the backboard, and then Alabama blocks it, so it doesn't go in. So that's a goaltending, and the point ca- the points count to Western Kentucky there um, because they prevented the basket once it hit the backboard. Um, so the announcers don't know this. They thought it was an air ball and a shot clock violation because the shot clock was also running down during this time. So they, they're they kind of thinking it was 71-71. Meanwhile, the graphic on the bottom, the scoreboard graphic, isn't changing. It's still 71-71. So that's kind of why those, these announcers are thinking, oh, it was, uh, it was an air ball. It didn't hit the rim. It's a shot clock violation. Um, so yeah, so Alabama is now Dribbling down the court, and they're trying to now tie the game uh, because it's actually 73 to 71. They drive and they miss the layup. So now Western Kentucky gets the ball and they play a game of keep away and they win the game 73 to 71. The announcers, <laughs> when Western Kentucky gets the ball, the announcers are confused as heck because they're like why the heck is Western Kentucky just passing the ball around not even attempting to drive at the hoop to try to win the game um, so so just a confusion amongst the the, the uh, wow the delay in the graphic um, changing for the scoreboard and um, everything else people thought, those announcers were totally incompetent when I got to cut them some slack a little bit because they just didn't know what the heck happened and they just ran with what they thought had happened. Um, and these announcers are doing this from home as well. It's not like they're on the floor. Um, they're viewing the game like we are. Um, so, so that was just a very interesting, weird, funny, um, moment from the weekend there. Um, some other college basketball stuff, uh, Gonzaga, the number one team in the nation, they played number three ranked Iowa, and um, a local tie, a, a capital region tie, uh, is that uh, Fran McCaffrey, uh, the Iowa head coach, he used to coach at Siena, um, and he got th- that team to, I believe, three or four straight NCAA um Uh, tournament appearances and then eventually he went on to greater and uh, better things at Iowa and now they're a top five team in the nation but they did not uh, beat Gonzaga uh, this weekend Gonzaga just outplayed him almost put up a hundred points against Iowa and um, Gonzaga is looking really good Um, as I mentioned in a previous episode they beat West Virginia my one of my favorite college basketball teams um And West Virginia is actually top 10 in the nation right now. They're, they're ranked eighth. Um, so that's good. Their only loss is to Gonzaga. They're actually playing Kansas who's ranked fifth in the country on Tuesday. So fingers crossed. They haven't necessarily played great against Kansas in years past, but, uh, hopefully, um, they can get a win at home, uh, in West Virginia there. And, um, with my uh college Niagara University they did get a sweep over Fairfield in the MAC conference play. Uh so they are now 2 and 3 I think on the season, so not too bad. Um they got two nice wins there um to improve their MAC conference standings. Um let's see where do I want to go? Okay, so I'll go from college basketball to now pro basketball. Because the start of the NBA season is on Tuesday, and I am excited for it because my Boston Celtics are, are going to be playing. Well, they're going to be playing on Wednesday, but um, I'm glad to see those guys back on the court after a Eastern Conference Finals appearance. Wish they didn't lose to the Heat there, but uh, stuff happens. Um, but for Tuesday night, it's the Golden State Warriors at the Brooklyn Nets, followed by the Los Angeles Clippers at the Lakers. Um, I mean, those teams play in the same arena, but it's the Lakers are technically the home team for this. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I guess what I'll do is I'll give my NBA finals predictions for, uh, this season, obviously it's the Lakers and Celtics, no doubt, not a doubt in my mind, but if I had to not go with the Celtics, if I had to remove, my bias, um, and pick a different Eastern conference team. I, I mean, it seems surprising, but I, I'll go with the 76ers. Um, I think with doc rivers, who's the head coach there, he did coach the Clippers last season. Um, he got fired and he, when he went to, um, the Philadelphia in the off season. And, um, they have Daryl Morey, who was the former GM at, at the Houston Rockets. And now he's the GM at the Philadelphia 76ers. I think it's going to be a good culture, um, set for Philadelphia. And, um, I would even put them over the Brooklyn Nets because the Brooklyn Nets, they have Steve Nash, who, um, is a former all-star and hall of famer. Is he a hall of famer yet? He either is a hall of famer or is going to be a hall of famer soon. Um, he is coaching the team now and you have kevin durant and kyrie irving um somewhat of egotistic players um the big thing is chemistry but they do have a good young core alongside them um that was pretty good without kyrie and katie last year when those guys were injured um so i wouldn't be surprised if they're um the eastern conference champs as well um but yeah, I, for me, I narrow it down to the Celtics, Nets, and Seventy Sixers. Obviously, you have the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis onto the Um But uh, I mean, I don't, I didn't, I don't see Milwaukee improving enough to get over the hump of say getting into the Eastern Conference Finals and making, and well, winning that and then making the NBA Finals. But I, I could be wrong. But um, yeah, for me, I would really obviously like to see the Celtics get to the NBA finals. And I just think, um, yeah, no doubt, no doubt with the, uh, with the Lakers there, but, uh, so yeah, going back to Tuesday's games, uh, warriors at the nets. So that's, this is interesting because Kevin Durant on the nets now played for golden state and won what two or three championships, uh, for them. And, um, so yeah, that will be an interesting dynamic to see how that goes. Um, I, yeah, and and uh, obviously the Clippers and Lakers, the uh, the Los Angeles rivalry there. Um, that should be an interesting game as well. Uh, let's see, where do I want to go next? Uh, oh yes, of course. So obviously I went with w- uh, over the college football playoff that's happening on New Year's Day. Those those two matchups. But there are some, I guess, less important bowl games that are happening um, soon here, um, even one today, which is at 2.30, kicking off the bowl game season. Um, the bowl game season is actually a little bit limited. There's been some, uh, quite a few games that have been canceled because of um, the the lack of, uh, uh, participants or lack of schools that want to participate and just the logistics of w- with the covid virus in certain areas it just makes things impossible um but this game that's happening uh today uh the Myrtle Beach Bowl on ESPN here 230 Appalachian State versus North Texas um I'm going to do my best to try to analyze these games and give a a reasonable pick here um I like Appalachian State because they're only allowing nineteen point three points per game on defense. Um, North Texas has a, a prolific um, offense. I mean, they have, they have um, what five hundred and fifteen yards per game. Um, but they their defense is the issue. <laughs> um, and Appalachian State's offense is good enough to exploit. North Texas' horrible defense that's allowing 41 points per game and 505 yards per game. So not good whatsoever. Give me Appalachian State for that. Now we move to Tuesday, which is uh, one of my favorite bowl games. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl, which is at 3.30, probably on ESPN. I forgot where it was. Um, This is the Tulane Green Wave Versus the Nevada, is it Wolfpack? I think it's Wolfpack. Um, so the the difference maker here is that I like Nevada's quarterback, uh, Carson Strong. I like his play better than whoever the heck Tulane's quarterback is. I forget his name. Um, I don't trust Tulane's defense enough against Connor, uh, Carson Strong. So that's why I got to go with the Wolfpack there. Um, then at seven o'clock on Tuesday night, it's the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Um, just an absolute, um, legendary name for a bowl game. Um, that, that deserves a round of applause. Uh, you have the University of Central Florida, who back three years ago was one of those non uh, power five teams who, um, who made a very good bowl game and ended up beating Auburn, um, a crazy result there. Uh, but they're, they're a little, um, well, they're, they're not as good as they were back then. Uh, I think they, uh, have three losses this season, but they're playing, uh, 16th ranked Brigham Young University, a team that I've kind of, uh, promoted, uh, before they lost to Coastal Carolina a couple weeks ago. But, um, anyway, uh, this game is going to be, I mean, I would be surprised if it's low scoring. I think this game is going to be high scoring uh, because of the two quarterbacks playing in this game. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Gabriel of uh, UCF, he has 3,300 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Zach Wilson, BYU's quarterback, 3,200 yards, 30 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. The difference maker here. Because there's going to be a ton of offense. I think BYU makes more stops. And I think they have the ability to make more stops. They only have allowed 14.6 points per game. In the games they've played this season. That's why I like them over UCF. Though I would not be surprised. If this just turned into an absolute shootout. And there's no defense whatsoever. That UCF wins this game. But for me I got to go with BYU. in the I'll say it again roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl 7 p.m. likely on ESPN I'm pretty sure about that um and here's and here's an issue with uh because of all these cancellations and stuff of teams opting out and and just saying screw it of uh, with the bowl season um army a team that's 9 and 4 They um, recently beat Navy and beat Air Force to get what's called the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. That's between Army, Navy, and Air Force. And whoever has the best um, record there against those teams wins that trophy. So Army won that trophy because they beat both Navy and Air Force. Um, Army had a deal to be in the uh, Radiant Technologies Independence Bowl. These names are just, just keep getting better um they had a deal to be in there but they don't have an opponent to play in that game so armies is left uh floating around here um i think their ad or athletic director is working very hard to try to get them an opponent um i don't know who the heck they're going to play or what the heck that team's record is going to be um because, well, here's here's the interesting thing, too, is that I noticed, because I'm also a fan of West Virginia football, Um, I like to root for them, they're in a bowl game, and they're playing Tennessee, who's three and seven. Now, usually in a typical non-COVID year, you need to have at least six wins to be in a bowl game. And you got to be, I think, at least above five, or uh, equal to 500 or above 500. Um, that's not, obviously not the case this year. I was kind of surprised. I'm like, isn't Tennessee like terrible? Um, but yeah, apparently Tennessee is playing West Virginia in whatever the heck, uh, bowl game it is. Uh, once it's comes closer, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll get to it eventually, I guess. Um, but yeah, so army is deserves to be in a bowl game, but they don't have an opponent to play a bowl game. So that's just, um. That's just how it is right now, I guess. Um, and then I almost forgot this, actually. Uh, Monday Night Football is uh, you got Steelers and Bengals. Um, I like the Steelers um, in every department. Um, <laughs> advantage them, offense, defense, uh, whatever it may be. I don't know um, what the Bengals can do to win this game, uh, the, even though the Steelers have lost two in a row. Um yeah I just I think this is a bounce back game for the Steelers that's all I really got uh there not no um no hard analysis on that um so with that being said I'll close and um yeah just uh I'll keep encouraging to rate review subscribe like follow to the podcast um you got at Speak Sports, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you got the blog on WordPress, uh, eventually videos on the YouTube channel. And um so yeah, so that's what I got. I'll um probably go over uh, this the Steelers Bengals game a little bit more in depth than I did with the uh the, the preview, uh quote unquote. Um on Wednesday there and and go over maybe go over the bowl games if they were entertaining enough we'll we'll find out when we get there so I'll see you guys on Wednesday